Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. And I am excited to share this word with you today. And, uh, well, I want, you know, I just, I wonder how you're feeling. How you, how you doing? More, more important, I want to know for, for reals here. How does it feel to be the object of someone else's envy? How, how does it feel to be so blessed that you can't be stressed? You know, like your bumper sticker says. How does it feel to rest in the assurance of knowing that heaven is yours? And, and to be in Christ Jesus in such an enviable position that you, you are the object of another person's envy. I, I'm talking to you this morning. If you say, well, are you talking to me? Yeah, you. Are you blessed of the Lord this morning? Are you getting better than you deserve today? Are you walking in the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? If you've been delivered from the chains of sin and set free, I'm talking to you today. If you were hopeless, but today you've got hope, I'm talking to you. If you were stressed out, but now the peace of God that passes all understanding is flooding your heart and guarding your mind. If your state of mourning has been exchanged for joy unspeakable and full of glory, I'm talking to you. If you were broken, but now you've been restored... You, 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 you. See, I've got to caution you because I, I believe, I believe that the prince of the power of the air knows enough to know that if, if he can convince you and I that he is a fictitious figure, then we won't really understand the weight and the gravity of who he really is, nor moreover would we fully believe that he is as he is presented to us in the word, an adversary. The word says your adversary, the devil, he's not something from the paranormal Hollywood movie scene. He's actually a, a person that is depicted for us in scripture and we learn about him and we learn about his wiles and the first thing that we learn about him is that he is our adversary. But, but through, the, through the imagination of man, we have had this figure presented to us that has a long pointed tail and has horns and carries a pitchfork and he's red. And I know, I don't know, I don't know about the horns, I don't know about the pitchfork, I don't know about the long pointy tail, but I'm pretty sure that he's not red. And the reason I say that I don't believe he's red is because I do know that he is grotesquely green. He is green with envy concerning your position and mine because he knows that in Christ Jesus you and I have an inheritance and you and I have a provision and you and I can drink from a fountain of life-giving sustenance and resource that he can never have and he is jealous over your life and mine and what we have. 
He despises your gifting. He despises your joy. He despises your peace, the deposits of the Holy Ghost in your life. He despises the presence of God that attends your way. He despises the anointing that God has placed in you that flows through you, the abundant life that Christ has afforded you, the manifold blessing of the Lord that has been bestowed upon you. He despises that. Why? Because he had all that and he rejected that and now can never have that but you and I in Christ Jesus can stand and say that the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and in him amen I am a child of the king and I can stand up and let the world know that I am among the redeemed and the word says that the thief your adversary comes but to kill to steal and destroy and I want to warn you today that the devil can't have what you've got he can't have what you got but he'll do everything in his power to take it from you to be sure that you don't have it either there's a there's an app there's an analogy that's passed around through Christianity and I, I want to share with you today and maybe you've heard it or perhaps it's news to you today. But as we read through the Old Testament, we're introduced to uh, this geographical location that is a very real, natural uh, element for the children of Israel, God's favored people. But it holds a great spiritual significance for you and I in that there is for you and I a land of promise as Canaan was the land of promise for the children of Israel. The land of promise that is ours is, is presented to us in the gospel as a place that, you know, the word says that the Lord will do for us more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Jesus said that he came that we would have life and have it abundantly. As a matter of fact, if we look closely, there's a close parallel between Canaan land and the life that has been promised to the believer, that life that is full and that life that is overflowing. Some people have mistakenly you know, made this analogy between Canaan and heaven. And the reason I believe that's a mistaken uh, analogy is this. I don't believe that it's correct to draw a parallel between the Old Testament narratives regarding Canaan and heaven because in the Old Testament, when God's people went in to possess what God gave them, they not only had to battle to gain the entrance but they also had to battle to continually guard their possession because their enemy constantly contested their occupation of God's promise. Your enemy and my enemy today will constantly contend our occupation of God's promise. That promise of joy, that promise of hope, that promise of peace, that promise of abundance and fullness. Your adversary is seeking to rob that from you and constantly contend against your occupation of the promised land. And, you know, I don't believe that's the way that heaven's going to be. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, we, we sing the song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. There's going to be no more struggles there, no more strains, no more tears, no more trials. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, 
No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on the happy golden shore. What a day. What a glorious day. That's going to be. That's why I say that Canaan and, and heaven is not an apt analogy. That's not a right comparison. Because when we get to heaven, our enemy, our adversary is going to be bound and he's going to be cast into a lake of fire and we're not going to have to worry about that anymore. We're not, there's going to be no more struggle there. There's going to be no more strain. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah says this, Many shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his way, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth a law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. I'm telling you today church if you don't learn spiritual warfare in this present hour you're going to be in trouble this is not talking about the here and the now this is talking about the by and the by and that's not the climate that the children of Israel walked in in the land of their promise neither is it the climate by which you and I will experience the fullness and the blessing of the favor of the Lord Canaan equals a place where the children of God walk in blessing and favor and live in abundance. Let me take you back to the B part of John 10.10. The beginning says that the thief comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus says, that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's your Canaan. That's your promised land. And you, like the children of Israel, as we find their story in the book of Exodus and progressing from there, have a promise from the Lord that you will live in the overflow of what he has prepared for you. Again, hearkening back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the word says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I want to tell you, church, that's not a later blessing. This blessing can be realized today through the revelation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can have it right now exceeding abundantly above everything you ask or think but you will not experience it uncontested you will not occupy the promise without contest you will be tried you will be tempted you will be pressed you will be oppressed but you won't just stand there and blissful nothing you're going to be challenged the thief is coming the thief is coming he wants to kill he wants to steal he wants to destroy he wants to take away what God has granted for your life and mine he wants to plot and to scheme against your life and cause you to relinquish every right that you've been given. Abundant life is a part of God's promise for the believer. And in order to obtain the promise, you and I must possess the promise, lay hold of the promise, and contend for the promise. 
Blessing, understand this, is not a point of arrival. It's a journey of faith. It's not a, it's not a static existence one day where we just show up. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says he was writing to the church. He said, now, I don't write to you as one who has attained but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I press forward into what God has for me. I'm going to keep on keeping on. And in my Bible, about middle way through Judges chapter 10, the editor added this header to describe the following section of Scripture. And we're at a place here where the children of Israel are living in their Canaan land. They're living in Canaan's land. That land that God said in Exodus chapter 3 would be a good land, a large land that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a land that sustains all of your needs and satisfies your mouth with the sweet things of life. God said, that is where I'm going to lead you to. And God led them there and they are living there. And and the, the editor describes this section of scripture by saying, Israel oppressed again. And I want to tell you something today, church. Light and dark cannot indwell the same place. A lot of people ask and say, you know, can I be possessed by an evil spirit as a believer? No, you can't. Light and dark cannot indwell the same place. We demonstrate that in this room. It was dark when we came in here. We turned the lights on and the darkness was dispelled. And the dark can't come back in until the light goes out. That's just the way it is. That's how science works. That's how things work in the spirit. Nothing from the outside can come in and overtake the power and the light of Christ in your life. But while you cannot be possessed, you certainly will be oppressed. You will be oppressed. The adversary will come against you. He will tempt you sorely. He will test you without end. And he will try you to see if he can get you to relinquish your right as a child of God to live in the land of promise. How many of you know that the enemy cannot possess the child of God, but he certainly will oppress them? So if you turn with me, to the book of Judges chapter 11 it begins to tell us the story of a valiant man named Jephthah how many of you ever heard of Jephthah? So what a thought it says in the word that Jephthah was a valiant man but he's also the product of his father's extramarital activities and is explained as the son of a harlot Now, I don't know where you describe your position in life. I don't know what your estimate of your value and your worth is in the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something, that in the economy of the ancient Jewish culture, we couldn't say anything much less about an individual other than they were the son of a harlot. But this says that, that this, this son of a harlot, he was also a valiant man. But being the son of a harlot, it says that he was despised and rejected by his family. And when the more legitimate children grew up, they drove him away, stating that he would have no part of the inheritance with them. And then the Bible says that Jephthah went out and he joined himself to worthless men. He said, hey, my family won't have me. I've got this mark on my life. I guess I'm no good. 
I'll go and join myself to worthless men, and they spent their time raiding others. But a day of redemption came in the life of this man when all of a sudden one day the hometown folks showed up and they came to him and said, Listen, Jephthah, the Ammonites have come up against us and we need you to lead us in battle. Now, as you might imagine, Jephthah questioned the sincerity of their request, but nonetheless he relented. And I I said this much to say to you, that when you get called up to the Lord's army, don't let your past hold you back. Don't let what labels the world has put on you be a deterrent to what God wants to do through you. If God has a promise for your life, and He does, don't let the opinion of others or the hurt of yesterday ruin what God wants to do in your life right now. You might have been chewed up, spit out, booed off stage, but if God's got a purpose for you, God's got a purpose for you, and nothing about yesterday can ever hinder the work that God has for you today in this present moment. Some of y'all weren't expecting that, but it's okay. Because if the sun sets you free, if the sun makes you free, the sun will make you free from all of it. The, the, sun, the sun will make you free from the plight of the son of the harlot. The sun will make you free from being joined to worthless men. The sun will make you free from that addiction and that bondage and that vice that you had in your life. The sun will set you free from the hurt and the bitterness of yesterday and give you a new joy and a new song in your heart. And you don't have to live in the rearview mirror, but you can look out the windshield and see where God's taking you. It doesn't matter where you came from, what you've been through. If Jesus called you out of the sin and into his goodness, you've got as much right to the inheritance as anyone else does. I'm telling you that, thief, we're sitting here Sunday morning. I've seen some of your faces year over year over year. Today makes eight years that I've been looking in some of your faces. And I'm telling you today that I've seen you and you're faithful and I love you and I love sharing this time with you. But the thief on the cross has just as much right to the inheritance as you and I. The addict on the street when he comes in and bows his knee and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's got just as much right to the inheritance as you and me. And I'm telling you today, you've got just as much right to the inheritance. You've got just as much right to joy. You've got just as much right to peace. You've got just as much right to abundance and blessing and favor as anybody else. Hush that lie in your heart that says you're just getting what you deserve. So Jephthah takes control. He sends a messenger to the king of Ammon. And he said, what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? I I love this. You've got to pay attention to the little words. The me and the my and mine. Did you catch that? What, What do you have against me? That you have come to fight against me in my land. And the king of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah and says, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt. See, he's wrong. 
The children of Israel didn't take away anything. God gave them what was rightfully theirs to begin with. He says, but because you took away my land, the enemy will try to convince you that you don't have any right to the blessing and the favor of the Lord. Because you took away my land when you come up out of Egypt. Now, therefore, restore those lands peaceably. King of Ammon here, he's playing good cop, bad cop with them. You know, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. You choose. You want to do it the easy way? I'd like to do it the easy way. You just give it back peaceably. I'm telling you that some of us get up in the morning, we look in the mirror, we have this, we have this estimation of ourselves and the enemy comes along and pours his commentary onto it and says you're not good enough and you're not deserving and you shouldn't be blessed and you're a failure and you're a loser and all the other things that he wants to add to that and, and says, you know what, why don't you give me that joy back? Why don't you give me that peace back? Just come on now, write peaceably and easy, go ahead and hand it over. And sadly, I'm telling you, that's all it takes for a majority of us. We have become an anemic people. The wondrous, the old rugged cross so despised by the world holds a wondrous attraction to me because I know that there upon the blood was shed that I can stand in the authority that Christ gave me and say, get behind me, Satan. Nothing I've got belongs to you. You didn't give it to me. You can't take it from me. And you've got no right to stand here and ask it of me. But that's all it takes for some folks. We can, we can do this the easy way. And sadly, too many people do it this way. The devil says, boo, we lay down and play dead. The lie of the adversary says, you're not victorious. You're not favored. You're not anointed. Your life is never going to amount to anything. You don't really belong here. And too often, our response is, you're right. What in the world was I thinking? And we just go back to wallowing in defeat. We treat the call of God as if it was the fruit of our own imagination and therefore not worth the struggle. And you say, who was I supposed to be kidding? I can't have this kind of life. But the word says you can. But Jephthah says to this man, he says, listen, what we've got wasn't yours to start with. You can read that in verses 14 through 22. Jephthah sends his messengers back a second time. And I'm going to paraphrase. For, can I paraphrase? that okay he says first of all you're barking up the wrong tree mister we don't have anything that has ever belonged to you and sometimes you and I just need to tell the devil you'd better back up and recognize because what I've got the world didn't give to me and the world can't take it away what we have the only thing that we have taken is what the Lord has delivered into our hands and I'm telling you today what you've got the devil didn't give it and he has no right to demand it back this is ridiculous the devil will try to make you think make you believe that you don't have any business living in your promise he will tell you that your joy is artificial your peace is unmerited your blessing is a mirage your promise is the figment of your own imagination your good health is just a facade that's covering up the disease that's killing you his is a ploy to make you want to give up But Jephthah responds with a statement that leads me to believe that he thinks that the king of Ammon is telling him the most ridiculous thing that he's ever heard. And I agree. Sound logic just goes a long way, doesn't it? 
I mean, we can get up in the field sometimes and, you know, get, get all worked up and confused about stuff, but, but just, just, just the sheer truth applied. Line upon line, precept upon precept, we build our faith. And Jephthah offers a line of reason here, and he says, you know, the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people, Israel. In other words, the handwriting of the ordinances that were against us has been nailed to the cross, wiped out of the way. The veil that has separated you and I from the presence of the Almighty has been torn that you and I could enter in. Why should we relinquish rights to somebody else? He's saying here, look, God has done this thing for us. Should, should you possess it? I don't think, I'll, I'll take it, thanks. And then he says, listen, if, if your God, Kamosh, was to give you anything to possess, wouldn't you possess it? Except that he don't ever give you anything because he's not a real God. He is a figment of your imagination. But our God is the true God, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And he has given this thing to us, and we will possess it. I want to tell you, our God has given this to us. Why should we give it to you? If your God ever did anything for you, you would have walked in it. And Jephthah ends with this declaration. He says, whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us, we will possess. I'm telling you, it's time for the church of the living God to raise up with some attitude. Some attitude that echoes this very sentiment here. The whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us. Pastor Lisa mentioned it earlier. That he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And I'm telling you, it is time for the church of the living God to rise up in that truth. To take possession of it and say, joy is mine in the name of Jesus. Peace is mine in the Holy Ghost. This, this blessing and favor is mine. It did, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it. And I'm going to have it. In other words, we are determined to live in the fullness of his provision for us. This portion of the story comes to a close with a simple word. And that simple word is then. I, I want to tell you today that if you don't understand the working and move of the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't always feel just this euphoric presence of the Lord when you're faced with difficult circumstances and you have to make a decision. I know David sensed the presence of the Lord in his life when he went out to face Goliath. But I'm telling you, a decision was made before then. Sometimes you're standing in a place and you're being tested and you're being tried. And you don't really know how things are going to work out. But you're going to take a step of faith and you're going to say, no, no, no. 
I'm believing God's word for my life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out on that. And the minute that you step out on that, you are met with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to carry you through that thing, to add strength to your weakness, to help you in the time of trouble and, and guard you in the time of peril, and to bless you and prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies and cause you to rejoice even when things don't seem like there's anything worth rejoicing in. When is then? When is then? It is after this man determined that he's not relenting on the promises of God. He said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not giving up here. This is not where I let go of my promise. When is then is when after this man made his mind to resist the advance of the enemy. It's when he said, no, no fancy t-shirt, nothing. He just said, not today, Satan. You ain't having what's mine. I'm going to stand here. And it says, then, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through the land of Gilead and Manasseh and he passed through Mizpah and Gilead and Mizpah of Gilead. He advanced towards the people of Ammon. And in the last verse there, 33, it says, and he defeated them. He defeated them, and thus they were subdued before the children of Israel. I want to invite you to stand all over this congregation this morning, all over our locations today, wherever you're at. I want you to get on your feet right now because I believe it's time for a moment of response. I believe a decision needs to be made right now in this moment. And in a moment, you're going you're gonna to take a step of faith. We're going to ask you to take a step of faith and see that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will meet you in that and that you will begin to sense the, word, the Lord stirring and doing a deep thing in your life that will add strength to your weakness, that will give you courage when, when that all seems to be lost and you don't know. It'll give you hope where it seems hopeless and you'll be able to stand in that place. I don't know how you feel about Ephesians chapter 6 when you read it. But some folks face difficult times and seasons of oppression and they read that verse where it says, having done all to stand, just stand. And, you know, we say very pitifully, well, I'm just standing. I'm pitiful, but I'm standing. I don't understand, but I'm standing. And we, we take this posture of passivity. But can I tell you in the context of this verse, this is not a posture of passivity. This is not a static standing. No, no, no. It, it's, it's stand arrayed for battle, for spiritual warfare. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
I want to invite you today to a posture of spiritual warfare. If you're in this place and you'd say today, Pastor, you're across any of our locations. And you say, Pastor Steve, today's the day. I've been wallowing defeat long enough. I've been taking in the lies of the adversary. I've, been, I've handed over my junk for the last time. I'm going to take what's mine. I'm going to have the joy that God promised. I'm going to walk in the peace that He promised. I'm going to have the favor that He promised. I'm going to walk in the blessing that He promised. And I'm not giving it up to an adversary who's lying to me anymore. And today I'm taking a step of faith and I'm believing to be met with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's going to empower me for spiritual warfare and I will possess my blessing. If that's you, our team's going to lead us here. I want you to step out from where you are right now by faith. I don't care if you need salvation. I don't, I don't care if you've been putting it off for a long time. You've been running from God, whatever it is. Today is the day. There's campus pastors ready to serve you. We've got prayer team people here, pastoral team here ready to serve you. If you are there right now, I want you to step out from where you are. Make your way to these altars and we want to pray and believe God with you for a breakthrough in your life in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.